dynasty season. Yes, we know you have them right now. All of the new talent are in their new spots, buying their new homes. Before they get there, you have to choose if you believe in them for the next four, five, six years by drafting them to your dynasty team. And Hayden Winks has been in the lab. You can find his top 50. Yes, not just running backs, not just wide receivers. We throw them all together and Hayden comes out with his top 50 dynasty rookie rankings. Today, we're going to have a conversation about like every single one. Definitely go through tiers where there are tier breaks so you know where to trade up to. But also some of our favorite talents, top talents, and especially where Hayden differs from ADP, right? Yep. Uh, I went, found some ADP for Dynasty. That was my starting point. I'm not, for the record, in a million Dynasty leagues. So (laughs) if you have crazy settings and stuff, make some damn adjustments. But the point of this show is to go over where players win and how they actually fit into each offense here. And we're using ADP as kind of the center point. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to leave that link in the description down below. So if you want to check it out and read through and just look at the rankings afterwards, go and check that out. Before we get going, Hayden, I think like the big conversation whenever rookie drafts roll around, it's immediate opportunity versus draft capital versus our own evaluation and belief in their talent. Would you come down in that conversation of how we should, you know, approach rookie drafts? Well, that's why I wanted to go into the tiers, because I think that if like, for example, you were telling me about one of your teams where you have a million wide receivers and right. you ha- only have one running back. And so should I reach on a player? Uh, and that's why I think that, yes, you draft the running back uh, if it's, as long as it's in the same tier. And then the other thing is like if you have a win now roster, then maybe you like uh, Trey Lance a little bit more than like uh, Jahan Dotson or Garrett Wilson, who might be better later, but don't have the opportunity right now. So we're, we're going to point you in the right directions. Make your own damn decisions. I'm not here to make your damn decisions. I'm here to just tell you how these players win and how they fit, and then you can go from there. And I'm definitely going to throw in some of my dynasty leagues and experiences down when we go through Perfect. here. Okay. If you're new to the channel, welcome. Subscribe, like, smash that bell as well. We've got a ton of, obviously, rookie content out. We have a ton of fantasy football content out with that hot, hot best ball summer as well. So lock it in. And be sure to subscribe. Okay, here we go. We got to start with number one. It's your guy from the start. It's Drake London. Uh, He's not the consensus number one on the board, but Hayden, we see first wide receiver drafted just a couple weeks ago. The situation right now in Atlanta isn't great, but man, he certainly has areas and skills and traits to win in every single level of the field. And like, if you zoom out maybe five years from now, he's probably the odds on favorite to be the best in this class. Yes, I think just in general, the wide receivers are going to last longer in your dynasty leagues. I think it's a, a pretty bankable uh, projection. If you think this wide receiver is good, they're probably just going to be good for many years. And to me, I didn't see many flaws in Drake London's game at all. He had the draft capital that you're looking for. He came out as a 98th percentile prospect Ooh. in my model, and there's zero target competition. Kyle Pitts, great tight end, but he is not going to see 170 targets in, in a season. Drake London kind of, to me, comp like Michael Thomas can win underneath and down the field. There's not going to be a quarterback that he's not going to be able to fit with jump balls and screens. And really, if you look at it this season, yeah, it's going to suck. He's probably not going to be super efficient because he has Marcus Mariota, but they're probably going to be picking the top five. And you're looking at what the quarterbacks are going to be looking like next year. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, there's some other uh, quarterbacks that are being mocked but pretty high up uh, up in drafts. The Falcons are going to figure out the quarterback position. And to me, they can't invest too much more into their pass catchers. They've already committed Kyle Pitts and Drake London. 
I think those are going to be like the staples of this Falcons offense, and they're going to drop a quarterback in there, and then they're going to look to try to fix the defense, and Drake London is just going to have like a 25 30% target share for like the next like five years. I'm going to throw in a random question here even to start because I think some people might look at the Atlanta Falcons and say, well, Calvin Ridley's out for this year. He might be back next year. I think you and I reading the tea leaves both believe his time in Atlanta is just over. He was going to be traded this offseason, whether it be Philadelphia, whether it be Miami, somewhere like that. So that to me would not factor into this equation of could there be, you know, a third pass catcher moving forward with, you know, Drake London and Cal Pitts. Yeah, I, I think that they basically what had an agreement with the Eagles already right. in place and the Falcons just said no, so they don't screw over the Eagles. I, I think Calvin Ridley's gone. He, he seems like he wants to go to Miami was one of the rumors. I don't think he's going to be around. And really, even even if uh, Drake London does have a counterpart, I think he's good enough to just be better. You know, like I think Drake London is a very, very, very good prospect. Go look at his box scores. Like uh, there was a, a stat out there in the athletic. Uh, Drake London had more receptions in eight games last year than the entire Falcons roster has combined last year. He's going to dominate this year. I think that next year they'll fix the quarterback position and we're off and running. Big wide receivers can run routes. Big wide receivers can play in the slot. And he and Cal Pitts are going to do, do some good things in that offense. Okay. Let's spend an equal amount of time on your number two ranked dynasty pick. And that's the running back one in Brees Hall. Um, we know second round pick by the New York Jets who just picked a fourth round running back in the previous year in Michael Carter. There's a lot to love here, Hayden. And the first thing that I always jump to talking about Brees Hall are big plays. And this is exactly what Joe Douglas and Robert Sala talked about in their post-draft press conferences. Brees Hall, Drake London, it's the same thing to me. If you need more, a running back, Brees Hall, totally viable one-on-one. I split the difference just because I think that Brees Hall is being a little overrated by some of the metrics here. I didn't really hmm. see the same uh, vision and between the tackles rushing Michael Carter is attached to Brees Hall for the, basically their entire rookie contracts. Zach Wilson's a little bit of a question mark. The way that this offense uses their running backs is a little bit kind of capture total ceiling here. So there's a lot of things that are going a, against Brees Hall just a little bit. But with that said, I, I comped into like Deandre Swift who hasn't reached that total ceiling potential, but Deandre Swift's going to be a second, third round pick for the next couple of seasons, I can totally see that's where Brees Hall kind of cracks. I'm not sure if we'll ever see a top five overall ceiling. I just don't think he's that good of a player. I think this offense is a little bit kind of uh, interesting just because of how much depth there is. And there's a huge question mark at quarterback. But if he is DeAndre Swift, that's still a home run pick um, this high up in the draft. I think no matter what, despite, you know, Brees Hall being the 36th overall pick, the most they've invested at the running back position, Mike LaFleur wants to use a stable of running backs. You know, we've yes. seen it with Mike McDaniel now in Miami. We've seen it with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco talking about, hey, we need three, four, five because they go down and get injured. I keep going back to like, hey, maybe he doesn't see that 70% workload that we love to see with these feature backs immediately coming out. But one, I think he's the most talented, even though we love Michael Carter. But two, big plays are, again, going to be the foundation for his game. Yep. And especially, you know, maybe you do play dynasty basketball because I've heard more and more leagues do that. Or we're even talking about, you know, best ball mania three a lot this summer. Those big plays, you don't have to predict them. They're just going to be on your roster as well. And he's so good at that with his downfield vision and downfield speed as well. I completely agree with you. I Between the tackles, I think he's 
whatever. Like I, I didn't see that crazy of a, of a game from Brees Hall, but I noticed, and this is what your take completely is backed up by the data, 8.8 yards per carry on pitches and stretch runs. Those are the plays that you see D- Derek Henry when he gets a little bit of speed on the outside, it's off and running because he's so damn fast. Um, so I think that's how they're going to use him. He's going to be like the big play threat. Michael Carter to me is a better between the tackles rusher, which sounds crazy because his vision so much better. So I think this will be like a, maybe a, a 65 35 split, something like that, which will cap Brees Hall's ceiling potential at the very top. But I still think right. that he has like passed to finishing as like a top 12 running back in the next couple seasons. Okay. That is a tier break. You have that listed as a tier break. And as you outlined, if you're loaded at wide receiver, pick the running back. If you feel good about your running backs, pick the wide receiver. And if you're equal in both, probably lean towards the wide receiver talking about longevity purposes. Um, then going to your third overall selection, someone who's already oh polarizing in the dynasty community, dynasty Twitter, the 30, excuse me, the 41st overall pick. It's Kenneth Walker. It's Kenneth Walker, Hayden. I mean, Seattle Seahawks, one-year deal for Rashad Penny. I know he was the best runner in the league at the end of last year in the final five games in terms of value over expectation, rushing over expectation. Pete Carroll wants to run the football. Hayden, I know that like the Seahawks are going to be worse. I'm in just like you on Kenneth Walker now and in the future. Yeah, so I don't feel good about this. If I had the third oh. overall pick, well, the, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel good about Kenneth Walker to to a point, but I don't think like the third overall pick in dynasty drafts is a fun place to be because I have question marks about all all of these players, including Kenneth Walker. There's obviously a third down projection. I comp him to J.K. Dobbins, who I really like as a rusher. I thought Kenneth Walker was by far the the most special pure rusher. I think that the scheme fit is being a little bit overblown here. Just because Rashad Penny's on a one-year deal. I don't. I think Chris Carson's completely out of the picture. They're investing into the offensive line for the first time. We know that Pete Carroll wants to r- rush, the, uh, rush the rock. And if the quarterback play is average after they invest into a quarterback next year, if they trade for Baker Mayfield, whatever it is, I think that's going to be fine. It's. I think that there's not a huge ceiling with Kenneth Walker potentially in fantasy, but I think that people are overblowing a couple things. Number one, the pass-catching stuff correlation between college receiving and NFL fantasy production is very small when it comes to receiving work compared to rushing touchdowns, total yards, uh, total PPR points, all of those things being an early declare coming from a school like Michigan state draft capital. All of those things are, are uh, more correlated than the receiving game. Now there are some splits with all of that stuff. But I do think that Michigan state's not the type of offense as we was peppering their running backs in the first place. And he was like ripping like seven yards per carry and averaging like 150 yards. I I, I don't want to say that he can't catch passes. I think that Brees Hall is obviously much easier to say that he can catch passes, but I think it's a little bit premature with a guy that was supposed to, or that was like what sixth in Heisman voting to say that he's never going to catch passes in the league. There is a projection there, but I think that we're kind of overblowing for basically a prospect that looks really damn good in my modeling, just because, I mean, he averaged like 140 yards per game. People talk about the projection in a pass-catching role. It is it is valid. I think you outlined that really well. With other runners, it's a projection of how they run you know, NFL concepts. For Kenneth Walker, it's not at all. Like This is the reason why he transferred from Wake Forest to Michigan State, was to yep. run the exact same concepts all these NFL teams do, and he did it exceedingly well. Seahawks talked about that over and over and over again. We saw him you know, hit lanes, hit cut backside, run counter, run and press the front hole. Like did it all. And that is not a projection for a team 
that we know for as long as Pete Carroll and John Schneider are together, this is their identity. And sure, they're not going to continue the winning ways like they have for the last decade right now. But it's one season and moving forward. And I've done this for enough time where just seeing or being unable to see someone catch passes doesn't mean they can't catch passes. You know, they're pro day workouts. These are NFL evaluators. And I'm with you. I, I think that's a little too focused on like the first tree versus like the entire forest that you're missing here. Because if you just take that away or if that didn't exist, the evaluation and the fit would be impeccable. For the nerds out there, uh, college receptions per game, uh, the R squared to that to NFL fantasy projection is 0. 0.04, which is literally nothing. Like it, it, yeah. it basically doesn't exist. Now, if you go into the splits and you want to go uh, do your analysis that way, then sure. Then obviously you want more uh, receiving work. But man, he's an athletic player too. So like he, you're not like worried about like this is like some clumsy guy. I, I think that's just a little bit premature. And obviously the bigger thing here is this running back class, man, who's the freaking RB three. I, I, that was like another tiebreaker. If you, if it's not Kenneth Walker, then I think you got to wait a ton. And I think that uh, we'll get to Traylon Burks next. So the difference between Traylon Burks and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, you can name a couple wide receivers that are very similar. You cannot tell me that Rashad white or James cook is anywhere near uh, Kenneth Walker as a prospect. My model, my eyes, everything about it, the draft capitals suggest otherwise. So I wanted to move, Kenneth Walker, just basically breaking some ties here just because the overall running back position here. Again, Rashad Penny was fantastic towards the end of last year. I could see Kenneth Walker averaging 17 touches this season. Okay, chat, commenters, viewers, here's my pitch, and I need your help as well. In my dynasty league that started last year, I dominated the wide receiver market. I have Debo, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Russell Gage, D.J. Moore, Chase Claypool, Elijah Moore, Jacoby Myers, MVS. Loaded, Okay. So leave it in the comments down below if you're watching the video afterwards. I have the number two overall selection because I traded up for it. I don't want to take Drake London, even though I love Drake London. I have no running backs. It's Damian Harris, it's Gus Edwards, and it's a bunch of nobodies. I'm going to take Kenneth Walker, the number two pick. Am I an idiot? Because I don't feel like an idiot because I have firm belief in Kenneth Walker, but focusing too much on Twitter other dynasty videos and sitting in this chair too long makes me believe I'm an idiot for taking him at the number two overall pick. You need to work that trade, but that the, you gotta, you gotta figure out a trade, whether it's a veteran. Really? I, I think something, I mean, Drake London to me is a much better prospect when it comes mm. to dynasty stuff. than Kenneth Walker, if I were you, I would just trade, I mean, trade one of those wide receivers for uh, a running back this year and then draft London. That's what I would do. But if you okay. can't, then I, I, I can see what your, what your little angle is here. I've got another week. I'm probably going to take Kenneth Walker. Commenters, appreciate you. Okay, here we go. Same tier. Traylon Burks. We had this conversation so much pre-draft. He was compared strengths, weaknesses on paper to A.J. Brown entering the league. We know he's stepping in and filling in in that spot. Not quite the athlete that A.J. Brown was, but Hayden for a team that needs to you know, pass off play action to win over the middle field and win after the catch. Traylon Burke's immediate opportunity, at least 100 targets, and who knows what he can develop into. Burks is the player I am most conflicted about coming in. I comped him to SEC LaVisca Chenault. I think that he did a little bit more than LaVisca Chenault ever did in college, but we're talking about a massive projection. Uh, I thought the A.J. Brown stuff was like his comp, like in the best-case scenario. First of all, I think A.J. Brown is a much better athlete than Traylon Burks is. And there is this little bit of development going from a slot gadget player to winning on the outside 
in the NFL. Now, with that said, if he's the number one player coming out of this draft, I would not be surprised at all. Like, I, I still think that is in the range of outcomes for him. Just that size, speed, this offense without the 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 other targets that are in this offense. I think that he has those those outcomes. I'm still just not believing like what some of the other uh, analytical models are saying, what other people's like, because uh, some have him as the number one overall player in this, in this draft. I can't get there, man. He has his, his bus potential is massive, like really big. Like I, I think that Garrett uh, Wilson has a higher floor. Chris Olave has a higher floor. Uh, John Dodson doesn't, um, but Drake London, much better floor. Traylon Burks is the most boom bust player in this thing. So if that's the type of pick you like to make, go for it. You, I can be convinced that he should be the third overall player, um, just looking at the ceiling. But if you're concerned about floor here, I have major concerns here. The other thing, looking at the Titans in general, uh, they can get out of Ryan Tannehill's contract next year. They'll eat about $18 million in dead cap. It's not the prettiest situation. But if that is the case, I've, I'm very concerned about what the Titans uh, quarterback uh, room is going to be looking like next year. And I think that this coaching staff, just the way that they play, it's such a slow-paced offense. There's not that much passing volume in the first place. I, I think it's a little bit premature to say, like, here he goes. He's going to be the next AJ Brown. I think there's still uh, a, a big projection here with him. It's very similar to the Kenneth Walker. Like Kenneth Walker is a projection receiving. I would say Traylon Burks is a little bit of a projection winning on the outside as well. So um, if you want to make the boom bust pick, go for it. Just I think that the the range of outcomes here is massive. We talked about this in the AFC press conference show. Hopefully, you all turned into that. Um, the Titans historically in the last five or six years haven't really played their rookies that much early on. Like I know AJ Brown had a thousand yards during his rookie season. That was all because of great individual efforts. Like he didn't play over 49% of the snaps in the first four games. He didn't play over 69% of the snaps until week 10, you know, and then he became a full-time player in week 12. Um, Traylon Burks has to play immediately. And I think that's where people are projecting like the number one overall pick in rookie drafts is because they view opportunity as a floor, but even taking a step back from there, it's the evaluation that kind of creates a no floor in our, in our book. And to me, it's all because like, look, if he's expected to win over the middle of the field, there were plenty of occasions where a corner was sat inside leverage and he had no plan to get in front. Can we see, you know, progression, NFL coaching, fix all that 100% because then he does some special shit that no one else can do with the ball in his hands and as a vertical player. I'm excited to see him in the preseason and see what we get. Yeah, he's route running needs development, but he is a 21 early declare right. uh, from the SEC. So there's I'm not going to rule out the ceiling. Okay, those are the first four selections. Here we are, pick five on your dynasty rookie rankings. Wide receiver three, Garrett Wilson. We saw Garrett Wilson as the 10th overall pick to the Jets. Jets now. Just talking about like young talents, Hayden talked about Brees Hall already. Elijah Moore, a very popular pick in rookie drafts last year. And now you add Garrett Wilson onto this and that's not even factoring in the two tight ends that they just signed. And Corey Davis is still on a contract. Yeah, this is not a good fit for Garrett Wilson, who was my wide receiver two coming in. I had to move Traylon Burks up there just because um, their cap, their draft capital is very similar. And obviously the depth chart is just completely different here. Uh, they will be getting rid of Corey Davis next year. They can save about $10 million against the cap by doing so. So then it's just basically him versus Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson in my model were very similar prospects. Um, and Garrett Wilson's got a little bit of development to do for himself. Now I do think that this 
ceiling outcomes, Garrett Wilson could be Odell Beckham Jr. Like yards after the catch, he's very explosive um, in jump ball situations, even though he's really tiny. So this really is, what is your evaluation of Zach Wilson? What is your evaluation of Elijah Moore? Like there's a lot of things going on here. So um, Garrett Wilson, was, I would say, was a, a draft loser. This was the landing spot. Um, I, I was going to be feeling worse about because I'm big on Elijah Moore in the first place. And then they, ha- they drafted freaking Brees Hall in the second round here. So there's a lot of things going on here. I just don't see him having like elite, elite ceilings in the next couple of years just because of the depth chart and Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson has to get better um, for all that to hit. Sam in the chat has a really good question here. I'm not sure how much we factor in stacking in dynasty leagues, but if you already have Zach Wilson on your roster, would you consider taking Garrett Wilson over Traylon Burks or over Drake London? I know you wouldn't over Drake London, but what about over Traylon Burks? Um, yeah, maybe tough so. question to answer. Yeah. Tough question to answer. I, I I'm not sure how much value Zach Wilson should have in, in dynasty. Cause like, I don't really see him being like a top 12 quarterback very often, you know, mm-hmm. like in fantasy, like I don't think like Zach Wilson's stock should be that high um, in the first place. I and mean, we're always talking about the Russian quarterbacks and I'm not sure Zach Wilson's ever going to do that. And this offense is just not bred for like elite fantasy. They run too slow. They run way too much or way too run heavy. So maybe if you want to break a tie, um, I, I thought Garrett Wilson was a better NFL prospect than Traylon Burke straight up. So sure. But we are getting the thirst traps from Zach Wilson hitting the gym this summer, hating already. And it's not even summertime. So just wait. Okay. Six overall, wide receiver four, Jamison Williams. We saw the Lions jump all the way up from 32 to the, I think, pick 12 or pick 11. Um, here we are. Big plays. Already had a great breakout rookie last year in Amon Ross St. Brown. You mentioned this, you comped it to building exactly what Jared Goff had in with the Rams, that kind of wide receiver grouping. And if that's the case, in the comparison you have here, bigger Brandon Cooks. We'd love to read that. If you're in a standard league, if you're in a half PPR league, like, man, I, I can be sold that Jamison Williams is the third best player in this. I think he's that good of a prospect. We're talking about a special, special, special deep threat now. Like in full PPR, I'm not sure if Jamison Williams is ever going to be catching 85 90 passes in a season but if, if you're telling me that he can be a 1200 yard spiked week player if you're in a crazy best ball dynasty league then sure sign me up i think jameson williams is a very good nfl prospect uh, i think that the the lions situation long term is pretty good i don't see them investing too much more into the pass catcher uh, uh group because they already did that with hawkinson deandre swift's kind of a pass catcher amon ross st brown plus jameson williams that seems good enough to me and the only thing is jared goff you can upgrade from him but I, I think that jared goff is a totally serviceable uh quarterback for your fantasy wide receiver so um if, if you are in a complete rebuild and you don't need jameson williams points this year man i can be so that he can move up you know i think he's that good of an actual player bigger brandon cooks is like there's a there's a ceiling to chase if my comp is anywhere near correct and i think when we talk about wide receiver rooms we compare them to basketball starting fives a lot and like these two wide receivers and you know jameson williams and i'm on ross st brown really complement each other really well anything else you want to say about jameson williams before we move on no we're getting close to this tier break though okay chris alave seventh overall wide receiver five he was the 11th pick jameson williams was the 12th pick um I mean, the Saints even said it. League Journal managers even said it. Chris Olave, from a route running standpoint and like precision in his game already, he is built for the league. And this team is built to win now, too, Hayden. Every single move that they made this offseason, they think they have a, still a window to win. And that gives me a lot of optimism that Chris Olave is going to 
fill those two wide receiver groupings in again two wide receiver sets so i think the analytics hardos and that's most of the dynasty community it's not a bunch <laughs> of film grinders it's the dynasty it's the analytics hardos uh i think they were kind of underappreciating Olave's uh, profile here. He ended up being a 96 percentile prospect. He got the draft capital. He's a good athlete. If you don't consider uh, college team strength in your modeling, I think that you are punting money away. I think it's that important. We have underestimated Ohio State and Alabama receivers for as long uh, as, as I've been around doing this. I think Chris Olave was a good prospect. Um, I think he's probably going to be a number two receiver for, for the most part, but I think that this is the perfect landing spot for him. If Michael Thomas is so bad and his ankles on backwards still, then you can have Chris Olave be the number one receiver. And even if Michael Thomas is back and still being that target hog, I think that there's room for a second uh, pass catcher in this offense here. So I think that Chris Olave, if you have a win now roster, I think that you could uh, especially target him. But I think that he's reminds me of a little bit of a Tyler Lockett and will probably never be in true number one receiver. Um, but I think that he's a, a, a very special route runner reception perception backs it up. I think every single film grinder agrees with that. There was a lot of pure film grinders that ranked him as the number one wide receiver in the whole class. Yeah. Um, so I think this is where the tier break ends. And if you wanted to sell me that he's actually uh, ahead of Garrett Wilson and Jameson Williams, I think that uh, you can easily make that case as well. Everything is so smooth with Chris Olave. Okay. I know the people at home want to ask this question, so I'm going to ask it for them. It's my job here today. I think my biggest concern with the Saints offense is how we saw it in the first six starts for Jameis Winston last year, where it's just the passing volume, 20 attempts, 22 attempts, 21 attempts, 23 attempts. Then we get two for 30 and 35. Um, do you think that that, I mean, that was obviously Sean Payton calling plays different play caller this year. Do you think that, that was also because Michael Thomas was in the lineup and they had no top wide receivers. Okay. I guess, Again, if you just look at those raw numbers and really the six starts of a package that we have with Jameis and extrapolate to this year, there's not that much to go around. Yeah, I think the, I think the biggest thing is the wide receiver room was so bad that they basically really couldn't. bad. And then the other thing is Alvin Kamara was was shredding. Alvin Kamara is getting a little bit older uh, right now. So if Alvin Kamara got hurt or just started decreasing, they're just like, all right, he's not a 20 touch player anymore. And then all of a sudden the ball has got to go somewhere. So I think that you're getting uh, Chris Olave next year could look or two years from now could look even better. Now, Michael Thomas just go over his contract. He's going to be there for at least the next year um, after this one, just because of the way that they restructured their contract. But Michael Thomas is in his own little category. He's there's been a lot of rumors uh, with Michael Thomas. So there's there's past to Chris Olave being a number one target these next two seasons. If Michael Thomas decides not to play or whatever the hell uh, he's got going on. I know he's not the tallest. I know he's not the fastest, all that stuff. But I could see Chris Olave being the top wide receiver from this group three years from now. Pretty easily. Okay. That's a tier break. And I'm with you. Like we talked about that grouping prior to the draft, along with the running backs. And that's it. Um, so as you write it, tier break here. And then we jump down to number eight. The wide receiver six. That's Sky Moore. Hayden, fantastic landing spot with the Kansas City Chiefs. We can only dream of this happening. Um his ADP is exactly in this spot. I think a lot of people will be hoping to land the eighth selection in their rookie drafts to land this magical fit with Patrick Mahomes. I think Sky Moore is the perfect player to fade in best ball for this year. His ADP is like already out of control. It's like in the 80s. That's crazy. But in Dynasty, Sky Moore is a very awesome target. He is a early declare coming from a, a smaller school in Western Michigan. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had a struggle uh, adapting this year. The other big thing is Juju Smith-Schuster's on a one-year deal. McCole Hardman's rookie contract is up. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling got multiple years uh, on his deal, but they have outs 
um, if he doesn't do anything this year. Travis Kelsey's older. We don't know what his projection. So I think looking at 2023, Sky Moore might be like the number one or number two target for Patrick Mahomes. And obviously, uh, that's the bold, bold case here. I'm not sure if he's going to be uh, by himself the most electric player ever, but I think that a Golden Tate projection attached to, to Patrick Mahomes, this could be somebody in 2023 we're drafting him as like the wide receiver 24 overall. You outlined that really well. And I wouldn't expect maybe a lot in the first six weeks of this season, but like maybe starting in week 12, we see Sky Moore get utilized more and more and more. And so often teams, especially good ones that have good rosters already, draft for the future years in 2023 and 2024 and following the money and following the age of declining players. I'm with you. Sky Moore has a chance to be a key cog in the Andy Reed, Patrick Mahomes passing game for years and years. I just, it might happen because he has a talent to do it in week one, starting week one this year, but I wouldn't bank on that either. By the way, if you guys are new here to our channel, uh, on this highlights tab over here for every single one of these players, Josh and I have videos breaking down their film. So we're not just like making up bullshit about the film. Like we have all of the highlights there. So go find the column, go look on our YouTube account. We have just one-on-one videos about all these players with film. Yeah. And the other thought with Sky Moore too, is he was an outside to inside player, you know, like let's say Juju goes down, they want someone to play in the slot. Boom. There's Sky Moore. Let's say MVS goes down for a couple weeks on the outside. Boom. There's Sky Moore. You mentioned in best one mania three, by the way, all of you should be playing over an underdog. If you've never played, drafting doesn't start, you know this, with your rookie drafts in August or September. It's right now. Go and play. Just draft. That's all you have to do. Um, Sky Moore is going as wide receiver 41. That's ahead of both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave at wide receiver 43 and wide receiver 44 and a bunch of other names we're going to talk about. People are all the dynasty hardos. Speaking about the dynasty hardos, the analytics hardos love Sky Moore. So, yeah, I feel like you saying dynasty hardos to this audience is going to watch this video. Do not take it personally. Don't do it. I love fantasy football hardos, but they, they, they do love the analytics more on Dynasty Twitter than they do. I'm, any I'm other shocked Twitter. you haven't cited any high school production here so far, Hayden. Yeah. You know, those Dynasty hardos. Well, it's okay. early. <laughs> Ninth ranking wide receiver seven. Maybe your favorite prospect in the draft other than Drake London is George Pickens. Um, he lands with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers have a pretty damn good track record of drafting day two wide receivers. I even saw, well, first let's talk about George Pickens and what he does well and how he fits with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's like Traylon Burks for the exact opposite reasons. He's a very boom bust projection just because of like some of the off off uh, the field concerns. That's probably why he fell in the draft. But if you are right about George Pickens, you are going to be right and really right in your, in your fantasy bank accounts because George Pickens is going to win downfield. 44% of his routes were downfield routes. He wins on uh, as an X receiver and... The good thing about George Pickens is if you kind of squint here, like this year, there's a lot of target competition, but they have their quarterback situation mostly figured out, assuming that Kenny Pickett is not a stone cold disaster, which some people think that might be true. But I don't. Uh, but Deontay Johnson is under contract. And I was reading uh, Mark Cavalli, who's been covering the Steelers forever. His projection is that Deontay is not going to sign uh, with the Steelers. Chase Claypool is kind of a boom bust prospect. They have no depth behind them. So all of a sudden next year, you can be looking at George Pickens as a number one or number two uh, uh, target for an offense that the Steelers keep afloat no matter what the situation is. So uh, boom bust projection. But I think that after that tier break, now we're rooting for upside. Sky Moore's got the easier path to upside attached to Patrick Mahomes. But I think George Pickens, if you were right about his actual on-field talent, we're talking about a really nice pick uh, in, in all formats for fantasy. I was shocked to read that 
beat report that you posted about Deontay Johnson's future. I thought like that would be the exact type of wide receiver the Steelers might want to sign long term, but maybe these wide receiver contracts are getting so crazy that that's part of it too. But that's that's something to track. And the other thing to track here, Hayden, is all three of these wide receivers are basically outside players. And so reading the beat reports this summer, figuring out if it's Chase Claypool in the slot, if it's Deontay in the slot, whoever else, that's going to be important. And it's a bit of a flag plant for you here. I mean, as much as George Pickens was talked about pre-draft, he goes to the wide receiver 11. That's after Tyquan Thornton. That's after John Mechie. That's after Wandale and Christian Watson. Some names we're about to talk about here. Is that because it's a true X frame and there weren't that many X frames here? And so if it hits, mm-hmm. it hits big. That's part of it. I also think that draft capital is like getting you in the right direction. But if, if you, a player is falling because of off-field concerns, that doesn't mean that he's a, a worse uh, talent evaluation. If, I, if I'm right about the talent and that the Steelers of all teams, like if you're saying which uh, organization is going to be able to keep George Pickens motivated and, and on the right path, I think it would be the Steelers with Mike Tomlin. Uh, they certainly believe it. They have a huge track record of, of having these players have monster seasons. So I think that most teams had, I read a couple of reports, and most teams had George Pickens in that round one conversation. He just fell. So I don't want to like put too much stock into that um, I'm hoping that more people do because I think that that doesn't really take away the talent evaluation just because the draft cap was a little bit lower. We have a whole clip just on Kenny Pickett. I cannot stress enough how much better and more entertaining this offense is going to look without Ben Roethlisberger and getting Kenny Pickett because it oh, was yeah. abysmal to watch. It was yeah. like life dissolving to watch Ben Roethlisberger try to operate that offense last year. So I'm excited to see what it can be. Okay. Tenth ranking for you, wide receiver eight, Christian Watson. I mean, we got some really good fits with some wide receivers to quarterbacks. Hayden, this is one spot after ADP for Christian Watson, who, you know, he's no Devontae Adams. But if we talk about big plays down the field, vertical speed that this team is missing without Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think you bring up a great athlete in Christian Watson, who's also really good with the ball in his hands. That's about like a, a pretty good safe floor for me that he can bring to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers offense. Yeah, it's hard because I don't think that 23-year-olds coming from the FBS have much of a floor, but he's so Mm. damn athletic, and this depth chart is completely barren, especially even after this year. So this was another uh, didn't like the prospect coming out, but I'm not going to be so stubborn to be completely fading him now that he could be the number one uh, target for for Aaron Rodgers. I I do want to know, I never thought that he was a – um, a target hog. I don't think that the way that he wins is is like that Devontae Adams, who's just so good within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Uh, Christian Watson, to me, I comped him to somewhere similar to MVS. Now, I think he's a little bit bendier than MVS, and you probably get him uh, on end rounds and stuff. You don't really see that with MVS, but this is a, definitely a boom-bust prospect. The fit is right there, so if you want to take the gamble, um, knock yourself out. Yeah. I mean, Chiefs going through a complete like wide receiver clean-out Packers going through that as well. Uh, I know a lot of people, and it, I think it comes de- back to kind of your, your pre-draft evaluation of Christian Watson, right? Like if someone loved him and thought he was a top three overall wide receiver in this class, I mean, I could see them putting him in the top tier of this based on that landing spot. For so, sure. Yep. Okay. Next up, John Dotson. Speaking of first round selections, your 11th ranked player, wide receiver nine. Let's remind everyone, John Dotson was the 16th overall pick here. Prioritized by the Washington Commanders. Terry McLaurin's already on the roster. You know, Curtis Samuel's still getting paid. Deami Brown was pretty good draft capital invested in him last year. And you have a quarterback in Carson Wentz, who 
when throwing to receivers, maybe throws away from their body a bit too much. But guess who was really damn good at that in college? Just Jahan Dotson at, at Penn State was forced to do that outside and especially in the slot. I would be very surprised if Jahan Dotson matters this year. There's just so many, Ooh. like, kind of, I mean, there's t- targets everywhere. I think if Curtis Samuel is at least out there a little bit, Diami Brown can have a little bit better. They have, obviously, three running backs now. Uh, they have two tight ends. Carson Wentz is not very good. The offensive line isn't very good. Uh, but if you squint next year, uh, the Washington Commanders can get out of Carson Wentz's contract with $0 guaranteed. Uh, Terry McLaurin is looking for a new contract. You just talked about how the wide receiver market's all over the place. You never know with any of that. So really it just comes down to um, Jahan Dotson. I always thought it was going to be a number two, number three receiver in the NFL. He's just so tiny, but he has inside outside versatility. And to me, that's just a bet against the Washington uh, Commanders in general. So um, the, oh, the other thing is, I think some of the modeling is going to overrate wide receivers, be, uh, rookie wide receivers, because they're going to be drafted earlier and earlier and earlier. But that doesn't mean that they're better players than those those uh, same wide receivers drafted five years ago. Jahan Dotson five years ago when the wide receiver market wasn't out of control, probably would have gotten drafted 32nd overall, not 16th overall. This is very special circumstances. So I don't want to put too much faith into that. I think he's like Darnell Mooney, maybe a little bit better than Darnell Mooney as a real life player. And I think that, that's fine in fantasy, but I don't really see anything too crazy here. I think Washington wanted Drake London. They also yes. wanted draft picks. And so I think they felt that they were going to get a wide receiver somewhere in the first round. The first they could drop out and still get good enough draft capital to draft out was 16. And then they just took Jahan Dotson because there was a wide receiver run in front of them. But Classic commanders, by the way. That's like why we're <laughs> fading the, the freaking organization stuff like this. I think he's a really solid player. I think he's a really solid player, but so many of these other types that you mentioned above have like number one wide receiver potential on their own team. I think Dotson's always going to be in the shadow of, of someone else, which isn't a bad thing. There's plenty of those that work out really well in the league. Okay. 12th, your quarterback one, Kenny Pickett. Great offense to be in, man. Like we talked about all the wide receivers he's surrounded by. Najee Harris, great in the passing game. Excellent runner. They added to the offensive line and James Daniels and Matt Cannon is going to unleash a little bit more of his offense now that he's allowed to. Um, plus, Hayden, a little rushing upside here with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett can move better than what everyone else is saying. I, I'm not sure how many people actually watch Kenny Pickett. That's that's my take because everyone was obsessed with Malik Willis and they're like, oh, Kenny Pickett can't run. No, he can make a couple of plays. To me, this is just like one of those situations where in three years from now, we're going to be looking like, Oh, do you remember that running back that was being drafted ahead of Kenny Pickett when Kenny Pickett's mm. going to be attached to a, a good organization for for basically his entire rookie contract? Mike Tomlin's not going anywhere. They have plenty of pieces uh, on offense. And I just thought that he was a better prospect. He was an 88th percentile prospect, which is not great. But I think he can be like a Ryan Tannehill. He can be a better version of, of Jimmy Garoppolo in a very good offense. So um, you, can, you can move him lower than this depending on your league settings and all that stuff. I don't think he's ever going to be a top five fantasy quarterback ever even in like the ceiling outcomes but if he's Derek Carr I'm not going to be surprised and I'm sure that if you're looking back at your dynasty rankings when Derek Carr was coming out you're like wow he was being drafted uh well after some players who are well out of the league yeah I know it doesn't have a tear break in here but I think that this is one as well after Kenny Pickett I'm going to put you on the spot here Hayden it's not really fair but let's say you're playing in a super flex league and Kenny Pickett should he belong above Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, or George Pickens, like after those certified baller wide receivers? I, I would probably move him ahead of Jahan 
Dotson because I don't think Dotson has much of a ceiling. But I think that even like Christian Watson and George Pickens and Sky Moore have ceilings that just like Kenny Pickett, even in super flesh, probably doesn't have. Okay. Well, now we get into uh, the weird territory, the uncertainties. We've already used that word a couple times. You and I loved Rashad White coming into NFL draft weekend. Uh, there was zero buzz. You look at one evaluator's rankings, you look at another, they might be separated by 100 picks, you yep. know? But then Rashad White, talk about landing spots, a great one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially when you consider that Rashad White, one of, if not the arguably, best receiving back in this class. With the team, with Tom Brady currently, who loves to throw the ball, we just have to, you know, figure out if TB12 trusts Rashad White early on. I don't even think that really matters because I don't see that Rashad white is like going to be mixing on third downs and that's going to be enough to get him in the starting lineup. This is like, if Leonard Fournette misses time, like I'm not sure how much Tom Brady has to like Rashad white, because I know he doesn't like Keyshawn Vaughn. And I know that Giovanni Bernard is making less money than the second place best ball uh, winner. So I think that's just a bet on the other uh, running backs in this offense stinking. And I think that Tom Brady does like Rashad White. I'm sure that Tom Brady had plenty of say uh, in this draft. Um, and Rashad White's got three down ceiling. It's, it's as simple as that. You know, you got the draft capital that we're looking for. 75th percentile prospect. In my model, I comped him to Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, more of a, a passing down back. But there was a, a season, season and a half where we were very excited about Kenyon Drake all the way up in the, the first, second round of fantasy draft. So I think that Rashad White is, he's got a high ceiling for this year. So if you like have a team that could win now, like your team, Josh, your team should be targeting someone like Rashad White. You're looking for that running back all of a sudden that your uh, roster looks pretty sweet if Leonard Fournette misses time. Like that a lot. And you mentioned draft capital and how it can be varying degrees of it. There were three third round running back selected. Rashad White was the overall running back four in this past draft. I'm not going to say it shocked me because, again, talent-wise, but we just hadn't heard anything about it. Okay. Yeah. Another flag plant by you, which I absolutely love, is your 14th overall player, wide receiver 10, Alec Pierce. Um, I think that this Colts offense is about to take a gigantic leap forward. Yep. And I don't think that that's being talked about enough. Uh, You and I love Michael Pittman. If we did this show a couple years ago, he would have been ranked really high. There's no one else other than Michael Pittman really to catch passes. And Alec Pierce, in terms of getting down the field, already having specialized ways where he wins while his game develops, I think that fits really, really well as a complement and also attached to the running game in Matt Ryan's arm. Yeah, completely polar opposites players of uh, Michael Pittman, even though they look very similar. Uh, Alex Pierce is going to be the one that's the downfield threat. The Colts have basically already made uh, an attachment to Matt Ryan for uh, probably two seasons, maybe three, four seasons. They seem like they're just going to roll with him. I mean, they just... Uh, let Philip Rivers, the same organization, uh, retire. So I think that we're on the same, very similar uh, career arc with Matt Ryan here. I think that he's a total, total smash here. He was a 69th percentile prospect, kind of a boom bust, but there are uh, ceiling outcomes here. Um, just the way that uh, he was used in Cincinnati down the field. He's got a 40 and a half inch vertical. So uh, I really trust this Colts organization as well. And I think that he's going to be the number two target here for a long time. And this is an offense that uses a second tight end. We've talked about that plenty of times, how that's, uh, advantageous for for the two starting wide receivers. Jump to 15, your wide receiver 11, right around ADP. Hayden, despite being the 16th wide receiver drafted this past April, that's David Bell. Um, I love the landing spot here for David Bell for a few reasons. One, currently, again, short term, 
Amari Cooper is really the only wide receiver of note, like long-term, that we think will have success in that team. Maybe someone pops up, but that's what we know of. Two, we know the Browns love to run the ball. Kevin Spansky loves to run the ball. David Bell did the exact same, like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, tight to the formation, be an extra tight end body, extra blocker on the end of the line stuff. And that is going to be highly coveted in this offense. And I don't know if the formulas, the spreadsheets factor this in, but I think that's going to be a, a huge note for David Bell to get early playing time when it comes to fancy offense. The landing spot was so perfect. And Amari Cooper's basically on a year-to-year contract yeah. as well. I'm, I'm anticipating them keeping on to Amari Cooper for a little bit here. But David Bell is going to be that Jarvis Landry uh, uh, replacement. I think some people, smart smart people, were comping David Bell to Jarvis Landry. And I can totally see that as like a power slot player. Um I think this is the perfect fit here. Uh, obviously, he was like, the, I mean, the dynasty hardest. You don't have to tell them, but his production profile, early declare, power five, all that stuff was amazing. Now, like, obviously, the the athleticism is a problem, and that will keep his ceiling, I think, pretty capped here. But the landing spot cannot complain about it at all. So being right uh, in market feels pretty appropriate. Yeah, and when Deshaun Watson plays for them, that offense is going to be really good. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really good. 16th overall, running back four, James Cook. This is a player I've seen Hayden go all the way up to 10th. ADP's at 12th. James Cook at running back four. We talked about our hesitations a little bit on a separate video if you go and watch that. But why are you not as high as other people? Because I think a split opinion here might be really helpful for the people out there. Yeah, I just think he's probably too small. You know, he's 5'11", 195, never handled a big workload at Georgia. You were grinding the press conferences on our last podcast, and you were noting how they were comping him to jd mckissick and that's why i think he is i think he's a better version of jd mckissick but jd mckissick types really just aren't all that valuable here so i comped him to like a slightly smaller tony pollard um i think we have to make a big argument about what this bill's offense is going to look like long term but i think for the most part they're going to be pass heavy and josh allen will have some type of goal line role and that's going to work against the complete ceiling and this offense devin singletary last year he had the backfield to himself because zach moss was so irrelevant and he was fine. He beat ADP. He was a great pick at ADP. But even then, man, like how many weeks were you ranking Devin Singletary as like a top 15 running back? You know, like we just got like the good uh, running rush, rushing season from this backfield. So James Cook to me is going to be a compliment. If you're in a full PPR league, then sure. Uh, I just don't really see like game breaking ceiling here. Like Rashad White to me um, probably has a longer odds to get onto the field. But if he does, does get onto the field, I'm expecting more from him. It would shock the Bills. If James Cook becomes like a feature running back, that means it should shock us if that happens. Like the Bills focused on Jaden McKissick in free agency to add a new layer to arguably the most explosive offense in the NFL. And I don't know if they got so attached to that feeling, but I understand it because it's something new, it's something different for them to take the next step that maybe then equals a Super Bowl. Um, they, once they miss in Jaden McKissick, there's no one else like that out there in free agency. So then you focus in on the draft, and James Cook was the closest to that. This is a defined role. And again, it would shock them. As they said, we can give him a couple carries here and there, and maybe he gets he does more. But we shouldn't project 20 touches for James Cook this year, next year, the next year. It would be shocking if that happens. And I'm a huge James Cook supporter. Meanwhile, again, week 9, week 14, week 16 last year, we saw Devin Singletary get you know eight, seven, six targets. Josh Allen was hitting the checkdowns a little bit more inside the structure of an offense. I think that that's the area where we see with James Cook make his most damage early on in his career. People are like 
it's always the James White. He can be the next James White. Those James Whites, he's like, let's go back just real quick because I I hate this. He was attached to Tom Brady. Ever heard of Tom Brady? And in those seasons where James White was balling out, name those wide receivers. Those are like Chris Hogan is Tom Brady's wide receiver. Of course, James White was catching a bunch of passes. Like we just don't see James White seasons happen very often. You know, like J.D. McKissick, they had no wide receivers and they had Alex Alex Smith. Smith. You know, like it's very rare to see this. I don't see Josh Allen like peppering his freaking running backs like that would be a waste like there's no reason why the bills would want to do this so i think he's gonna be overrated i think he's gonna be a better real life player he's gonna have spiked weeks and random games assuredly i just don't see this being like an every week type of thing for me i i hope he shocks us too because again i'm a big james white fan as the individual talent but we've kind of seen this picture be painted in the past meanwhile let's jump to the 17th overall player in your rankings running back five isaiah spiller your comparison is mike davis I had him as Javorius Buck Allen. I wasn't a huge fan of Isaiah Spiller's game. I know, again, pre-draft, like February and March, pre-athletic testing, he was beloved by a lot of people because he's young and he was productive in college. Maybe that helps him develop in the league, but also Hayden, after Austin Eckler, they've had a bunch of nobodies. Like Justin Jackson is not currently on the roster. We've seen what's happened to Joshua Kelly. So there's an avenue here for some immediate production and immediate role. I think he's the heavy favorite for that spot. And I think that's what Daniel Popper from The Athletic was saying as well. Isaiah Spiller is the perfect complement to Austin Eckler. And I love Austin Eckler, but Austin Eckler's contract will expire in the next two seasons here. We know a smaller player like Eckler with his injury history. If Isaiah Spiller is the number two and Eckler goes down with an injury, where are we going to be ranking Isaiah Spiller this year? High, really high. And even <laughs> if even if it takes a couple of years, he's still attached to freaking Justin Herbert. So like, screw your projection on like Isaiah Spiller, how good yep. at the game. What I can tell you, we can we can uh, discuss like how explosive he is. He's going to be ripping off big plays. He was out there on third downs and on first downs and as goal line and throwing in the screen game. He can do whatever. And that's why I commented to Mike Davis. You're not looking about a flashy player, but if he's in the right spot and with the right offense, he can be very productive in fantasy as Mike Davis was. Uh, and now th- instead of Mike Davis um, with the Panthers, we can be talking about uh, Mike Davis with peak Justin Herbert. So I think there's a huge ceiling case here. And that Texas A&M offense under Jimbo Fisher is easy to translate into the NFL and NFL Decision makers love seeing that in terms of it's kind of the same stuff we talked about with Michigan State. It's different, it's different styles, but they know that Jimbo gets his his guys ready in that offense for a pro style system. Now that's very different, Hayden, to what you said. He was out there, he was playing a lot versus your number 18th overall player, running back six, and Damian Pierce, who's already taken on a life of his own this offseason because he landed with the Houston Texans. He's great at breaking tackles, and man, his highlights are amazing. But he never played more than I think 23 snaps in a single game. He had like 36 broken tackles on 100 touches last year. What a weird evaluation we have here. But if it all hits and all runs hot, something special might happen. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, we loved his interviews for for what it's worth. And I thought that was fun. Uh, I'm sure that's why the Texans end up drafting. And this is like a depth chart thing. I think that I don't want to overestimate the depth chart because like even like Michael Carter, like, wow, Michael Carter, the depth chart's open. He's a decent kind of interesting prospect. Like, let's buy in, and that might work for this year. Then all of a sudden, you get rugged pulled. So for Dynasty, it's kind of harder. I think Damian Pierce uh, is kind of like the opposite of, like, Jahan Dotson, where I'm not interested this year, but maybe long-term. This year, I think in best ball, I'd rather target Damian Pierce and try to attach my name to him uh, long-term. He's, he's just 50th percentile prospect. Like, these players, like, basically, it's very rare for them to actually do anything. But it's, it's the Texans. They have nobody else. Back-to-back Houston Texans. 
wide receiver 12, 19th overall. That's John Mechie. Slot player. I'm I'm conflicted because <laughs> if you're like, all right, get, get, rank these players on who's going to be uh, in the starting lineup six years from now. I think Mechie would be on that list. I think he's a very yeah. reliable player. I just don't see him like being like that dude, especially uh, with the Texans. So, I mean, I comped him to Brian Hartline, if you guys remember oh, yeah. uh, anything about that. But I don't, I don't know what to do with him. Like, if, if you're most likely, if you're starting John Mechie, you're not coming in first place in your dynasty leagues. And that's why I kind of have him a couple spots lower, even though I like him. I, I think I, I think I like him more as a prospect than most other people. But when we're like trying to come in first place in a dynasty league, like John Mechie, like I, I would be stunned if that was like the difference maker. On the scale of slot receivers, I do not think he's Hunter Renfro. And like that starts. He doesn't have that wiggle. Yeah, he no, doesn't. Not at all. Zamir White, running back seven, a pre-draft favor of yours, haven't Hayden. Uh, 20th overall. That's ahead of ADP at 24th. Um, the landing spot actually, if you're looking towards the future in a crystal ball, seems pretty good. Very good. Uh, they declined Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option and Kenyon Drake. I'm sure that Josh uh McDaniel is looking at the Kenyon Drake contract and say, what the hell were you guys doing? Uh, two off seasons ago, but they're both going to be out of there. Zamir White to me was somebody that needed development. So I didn't think that he was going to come out as a rookie and have this monster uh, uh, games immediately. But with some development, we know that this offense could be pretty run heavy under McDaniels. And I think that Zamir White has three down abilities, got the size and pedigree and all that stuff that you're looking for. So um, it's going to take some time here. But if Josh Jacobs goes down, I think it'd be like a 50 50 split with Zamir White uh, being the early down back. I think he's a better early down back than Kenyon Drake. So who knows? I have no clue how to interpret a Josh McDaniels offense at this point in the calendar. Like, remember when he got the job, it was reported it's because he said he's going to run a ton of two tight end sets. Then they trade for Devontae Adams. Yeah. <laughs> then, um, you know, the, the running back investments and how they rotate. And then they brought in Brandon Bolden there to have Kenyon Drake. And then you add Zamir White to Josh Jacobs. It's a cluster at the moment. Uh, I'm actually in, though, on Derek Carr and that whole thing and think he might set a career high, at least in the last, I don't know, six years in touchdown passes. Yeah, so that's something agree. to keep in mind. 21, you're on the end of Zamir White. I'm on the end of Brian Robinson. Um, this is ahead of ADP still. Ooh, that's good to know. 21st overall, running back eight. Um, I think by all their actions, Hayden, Washington is never going to give Antonio Gibson the 70% workload that football Twitter craves. Everything we've seen, everything we've heard, despite him playing through a stress fracture and playing at a high level through a stress fracture last year, they brought in third round competition for him, or at least a fill in for him. And Brian Robinson coming out of Alabama. Very worried about Antonio Gibson. Very, very worried about Antonio Gibson. It, this was where I was trying to move Brian Robinson up because I'm with you that I'm like, everything points to them not really like AG too much. And Brian Robinson to me can play all three downs, but the problem is they just got Jeannie McKissick back. They clearly like him. And even if you do get like committee, Brian Robinson, it's the freaking commander still. So like, there's just really hard for him to like really get, get going. But I, I do think that like for dynasty, this conversation about Brian Robinson could be about if you have Antonio Gibson might be worth kind of dishing him out a little bit earlier. If he fumbles like once or twice more, Ron Rivera getting the hell out of there. And, and Brian Robinson for his faults and like the dynasty, dynasty hardos, 23 year old, fifth year red shirt, senior, the whole thing. Ron Rivera is going to love five years of Alabama coaching. I think that he's going to be very polished and uh, dynasty haters are going to hate that. And while Brad Robinson is like a bigger back, I saw some abnormal wiggle from him at the line of scrimmage to create some spaces. Um, and that side. And yeah, you, you mentioned the fumbles. 
And Jerry Gibson was awful in those scenarios last year, like some untimely putting the ball on the turf. And Ron Rivera basically mentioned that, that Brian Robinson barely put the ball on the turf during his time at, at Bama. Okay, here we are. Pick 22. We had Kyle Pitts last year. Here's the first tight end off the board in Trey McBride. Not going to say this is a luxury selection for the Arizona Cardinals, but just giving Zach Ertz the contract last year, we kind of expect them to be 11 personnel and go between that and two tight end sets as well. Um, one, I think it's fair to question like just how good the tight end one is this season in comparison to previous years. But man, this team is craving pass catchers. But they got a lot of the pass catchers on the roster, and they can't get out of Zach Ertz's contract until 2024. Now, McBride can easily just pass Ertz next season, but they committed Zach Ertz like legitimate money. Um, and I don't, I don't know what Kyler Murray and Cliff King, I don't know what this offense is going to look like. Um, this is kind of, I didn't know where to put freaking Trey McBride, man. Like tight ends yeah. don't matter. I can't, I can't be the tight ends don't matter guy and then rank Trey McBride, who I thought was, I don't know, average at Colorado State. He didn't seem that good to me. So uh, I'll be wrong on Trey McBride if he's like a stud. Tyler Algier, a little surprised that he's this high up for you because I didn't think you were that big of a fan of Tyler Algier coming out of BYU. He does everything solidly, I think is one way of putting it. Um, Atlanta Falcons just cut Mike Davis, signed Cordell Patterson on the wrong side of 30. The press conference note that stood out to me is they said that basically that running back room is wide open. And Tyler Algier, he's going to play fourth downs too in terms of special teams. But if an injury happens or if he proves just to be the best, Hayden, I think there's a pathway to early playing time for Algier. Yeah, the depth chart's wide open. I read some things that they might get Cordero Patterson back out at wide receiver for some snaps again. Um, so who knows? I Like you said, I didn't think Tyler Algier was very good. Um, so I, I kept him by ADP because the depth chart's wide open, but I, I really don't think that Tyler Algier is going to be like the Falcons starting running back in two, two three years from now. Um, and until then, the Falcons running back probably not going to be that great for fantasy purposes considering how bad that roster is. Random tangent. Are we underrating Damian Williams spot in here as running back 70 in best ball mania three? You're going to make me bring up his contract. (laughs) (laughs) Just asking. I mean, he's been a capable player at times. Okay. Huge flag plant for you. Let's have 13 Tyquan Thornton 24th overall in your rankings. Um, Now this doesn't go against draft capital to his name. He's a 50th overall pick. 18th pick of the second round. I went back and watched Tyquan Thornton. Thought he looked like Torrey Smith. Big play down the field. Found some nice spots in zone coverage. Hit or miss hands. Yes. Every once in a while. But this was a priority player. Again, Tyquan Thornton went ahead of George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore. The Patriots have a firm and loving evaluation for Tyquan Thornton coming out of Baylor. He popped in my model um, because Baylor was really good last year and he was clearly their best skill player out there. He's smashing like the target share uh, numbers that you're looking for. He's an elite athlete. I mean, crazy, ridiculous athlete. And he's attached to Mac Jones. I think that this Patriots offense is not going to be super run heavy. I think they're actually going to try to spread the ball around a little bit more. And Tyquan Thornton has some ceiling uh, potential. I comped him to Nelson Aguilar because he has the hand issue. Um, kind of similar-ish um a draft capital um i don't know i was watching him block today i went back and put on some taekwon thornton clips and he was blocking his ass off too so uh they clearly like him um i'm in like i I think that it's probably a low 
odds of him ever becoming things, but I think that everyone's completely writing him off, and I'm not going to be writing off second round uh, picks coming from Baylor, who was a top five team last year. If people follow your rankings in their dynasty drafts, they're going to wind up with Tyquan Thornton on their roster, and I don't think I don't have a problem with that at all. Okay, let's go to 25, and then because it's the tier break, and that's Jalen Tolbert. Um, this is a team in the Dallas Cowboys who throw a lot and didn't really fill in that wide receiver three. You know, they trade away Mark Cooper, Cedric Wilson go and signs a big contract with Miami Dolphins. There's no one to naturally fill in that number three spot for, for the Cowboys. And as you outlined in this column, there's some areas where he already wins. Yeah. He led college football in yards per game beyond the line of scrimmage is basically removing screens, 113 yards per game coming downfield for Jalen Tolbert. So he's an interesting player. I don't think he has that much of a ceiling because I didn't see that he was like that good of an athlete, 44th percentile in adjusted spark. Um, He has to beat out James Washington for this year. But even if just looking at dynasty, I think best case scenario is he'll be Dak Prescott's number four target in the offense. I think he'll be a tight end. CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, all uh, under contract. Um, So we'll see. Jalen Tarbert didn't really pop that much in the model 51st percentile. So this is about as high as I could justify that. Okay. Here on out, let's do these in groupings. Okay. So let's do 26 to 30. Khalil Shakur, wide receiver 15, now with the Buffalo Bills. They called him their number four wide receiver, which is an outside-to-inside player, basically a fill-in for any spot. There's Snoop Connor, your running back 10. Snoop Connor Hayden, who was a fifth-round selection of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hassan Haskins, 28th overall. Keontae Ingram, 29th overall. We close at the top 30 with Wandale Robinson, who drafted quite highly by the New York Giants. 43rd overall pick. 11th pick in the second round. I just think Wondell Robinson's too small um, just in general. So I'm going to be out on him uh, compared to Khalil Shakur. Khalil Shakur, I think he has inside outside versatility. I know that he's a good dude off the field. He's attached to Josh Allen, uh, both Isaiah McKenzie and Jameson Crowder. They're not making enough money uh, to even keep Khalil Shakur off the field this year. Perhaps if Khalil Shakur is better than what we think, uh, he can be out there and be the number three receiver. This is an offense that uses their slot um, ton looking back at Cole Beasley. And I think that Khalil Shakur, uh, some of his other numbers um, in college were pretty intriguing. So he's one of my buys. Uh, the next group of running backs, Snoop Connor, Asan Haskins, Keontae Ingram. I'm much higher on them compared to the other uh, running backs. And I think basically they are just one injury away from being very relevant. And, uh, Asan Haskins with Derrick Henry. I think that he's a perfect like power rusher for Vrabel. Keontae Ingram watched him today. Man, his vision is really bad, but he can play on third downs and he has at least the size profile to hang up if James Conner goes down. And I think the same thing with Snoop Conner. Snoop Conner, uh, very average r- rusher to me, a powerful guy, but he has a size profile to be a potential third down back. And Travis Etienne and James Robinson, uh, they weren't picks made by Doug Peterson. Snoop Connor was, and uh, he doesn't have a, a broken list, Frank, or torn Achilles. On Wanda, real quick, the simple comparison is to Isaiah McKenzie, but it matches that with Brian Dayball and Joe Shane. Part of me also, and they did not say this, but if I'm going to read between the lines, the Giants were very ready to draft Andrew Booth, team trade ahead of the Giants for him. They still have a major cornerback need, and so they had to pivot to their next player that might have been a tear down in their board, and that was Wandale Robinson. How do they panic? I don't understand how they get sni- NFL teams get sniped. You have 15. 15- That's just a theory. Just no, a theory. I, no, but I know for sure it happens. Like, you have 15 minutes to make an adjustment. Like, we 
these we have we can pivot in our 30 second clocks and fantasy windows and these gms uh can't pivot in a 15 second window come on 15 minute 31 to 36 let's go here uh 31 to 35 matt corral desmond ritter malik willis people can rank those however they want to but that's where you stack all the quarterbacks right 34 hayden romeo dubs 35 calvin austin the third uh, austin goes into that steelers offense was an outside receiver despite being 5'8. Romeo Dubs Hayden is like the maybe surprise when we look back two years from now because we've seen the Packers, you know, a few years ago drafted Jamon Moore and MVS in the same draft. And the second wide receiver, and we see with a bunch of other teams too, the second player at the same position outperforms the first one. And maybe that happens with Romeo Dubs versus Christian Watson. Maybe I should move him up uh, a little bit because I'm, I'm not the biggest Christian Watson guy. So, yeah, maybe I should. I, I struggled with him. I didn't think that he was that great of a prospect. But um, if, if I'm against Christian Watson, I might as well move him higher. Going up to these quarterbacks, by the way, uh, if you look at like Malik Willis at 24th in ADP, Desmond Ritter 27, Matt Corral 28th, and then Kenny Pickett was like 19th. Have people not – did they not watch the NFL draft? Like, why, why is Kenny Pickett's ADP the same as these guys? These guys most likely will start like six games. They'll be awful and they're never going to play again. And like the ADP is like the same. I, what's, what is going on here? No, it, do, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I think that's just all based on pre-draft evaluations. Adjust. Point period. Yeah, you have to. And once a quarterback hits round two, you should throw all your expectations out of the window. And then once he hits around three, it's even more so. You know, like maybe one of these guys hits. All three of them are not going to hit. And Kenny Pickett is the one that you and I think absolutely over 10 and a half games that he starts the season. Over that. It's not even close. Yeah. Next, Tyrion Davis-Price. The running back five in this past draft class, Aiden. You have him as a running back 13. Uh, I don't know if this is just a little bit of belief in Trey Sermon lasting over until now. Uh, but he was the 93rd overall selection. Compare that to Trey Sermon as the 88th overall pick. Uh, I went back and watched. Compared... Tyrion Davis Price to Andre Williams. Uh, like between the tackles runner, high knees, and like strides it out, he's a very, very different runner than Elijah Mitchell. I haven't gotten to Davis Price film takes yet. Um, yeah, I don't have any strong takes here. I guess like hey, Shanahan rotates his running backs. What if it's him? It, it easily could be. So I think that he's a perfect dice roll for this late. Yeah, I think with them that they just realized even they got to week four and they were to their fourth string running back that they just need more and more and more. Uh, okay, Pierre Strong compared to Raheem Mostert, outside zone, get on the edge, use that speed. Goes the Patriots, which is, seems like a very un-Patriots-like player for them, but we know that it could be the last year and probably is for Damian Harris, and maybe they change a few things too, and obviously losing Braden Bolden too. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, I think this will be Damian Harris's last game. I think Ramondre Stevenson still is very boom bust. If Ramondre misses a couple blocks, fumbles and stuff, I can see him just completely being erased. Uh, James White, I think this is a conversation for Pierre Strong. James White, every single time I see Mike Reese, any of the Patriots guy mention James White, it's like parentheses, if he's ready. And like, I don't love seeing that. He had the Tua injury where he like dislocated his hip. A very serious injury we're talking about an older running back i i think it's more likely that james white doesn't play this year than he does and pierre strong could be that third down option now i will say the patriots always rotate their running backs it's like never like the greatest situation over there but at least pierre strong's uh pretty athletic and james white's only guaranteed five hundred thousand dollars in his contract despite being a short-term contract it seems like so. fourth place in best one mini three somewhere in there <laughs> okay let's close it out Greg Dulcich, the second tight end, 
You have him at 38th overall, just followed by Char- Charlie Kolar, 39th overall, Daniel Bellinger, who might be the sneaky name of this tight end group and is going as a 54th player. So your ADP is higher on the last two in Kohler and Bellinger. Kohler is literally a Mark Andrews light. Um, he can win out in the slot. He can be a three down player. He was an analytic sleeper. Same thing with Daniel Bellinger, who is competing with, I think, Ricky Seals Jones uh, in in New York. And obviously, we're hoping that uh, Dayball kind of figures them. So I, th- I like I like taking my tight end this late in the draft and like worrying about Trey McBride next to freaking Kenny Pickett or something like that. Jelani Woods has an ADP of 32. You love this 41. Film. Well, I I wanted to separate this conversation. Okay. Because I'm torn. Jelani Woods is the perfect 10 athlete. I wrote up like a brief profile on him. I truly don't think he can play football right now. Like he gets bodied by press coverage despite people being like a foot shorter than him. He has no clue how to run routes. Um, Mike Asicki looks like Hunter Renfro when watching him next to Jelani Woods in terms of making and forcing breaks in his routes and actually, you know, creating separation. But he's big, he's athletic, he's new to the position, and he's going to an offense that it's Mo Ali Cox and Kylan Grayson, Granson, who was, you know, a big Frank Wright guy. And that's like the competition, you know? So maybe if Woods puts it all together, we know athletic testing theoretically means a higher ceiling here. Maybe it aligns, but I'm I'm highly skeptical that it's going to. The price is expensive, like 32nd overall Very. versus like 54th. So yeah, I would just rather take my shot on, you know, being, if Mark Andrews tears his ACL, I think Charlie Kohler would be very much involved in fantasy circles. So yeah, I'm with you. Tyler Beatty, running back 15. Kyron Williams, running back 16, who the Rams brought in to basically be their pass protection specialist if they need him to be. Uh, Isaiah Likely, the tight end six. He went to the Buffalo Bills, correct? Uh, yes, they double dipped. Velas Jones Jr. <laughs> he, I mean, come on. Maybe the wide receiver three for the, for the Bears. I mean, they took him as the 71st overall pick in the third round hand wide receiver 14. Uh, interesting. And then 46 overall player, Danny Gray, one of the best yards after catch players in college football last year, and he winds up with Kyle Shanahan. That's, that's a name I want to keep in mind, and he's being drafted right at the same spot, um, 48th, and you have him 46th. I mean, we've we've struggled getting Brandon Ayuk enough volume True. to be the in fantasy. So I was just like, I don't think that that offense that's is like fair. the third wide receiver in those offenses is very tough. That's fair. Okay, we close out with Sam Howell, Bailey Zappi, Jerome Ford. Fifty is Kyle Phillips, who's another slot wide receiver, and fifty-one. You just had to throw him in there. Justin Ross. We've already seen some highlights from rookie OTAs, but the landing spot with the Chiefs. I mean, he's going to go drafted. He's going to go drafted in these dynasty leagues for sure. The Chiefs Twitter account is really trying to make Justin Pumping Ross a thing. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I'm, there's there's a ceiling outcome there. I I didn't think that uh, he was overly athletic, and he's obviously got the injuries and stuff. But like, if there's going to be a UDFA to do it, it's going to be Justin Ross. But the the big part of that of that last sentence was UDFA. Mm. Titans need that wide receiver help, so Kyle Phillips there could uh, could be interesting as a slot player, but. We'll see how the Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, whoever else they have out there, how that develops. Do we want to talk about Rookie of the Year? We've already gone save 70 it. minutes here. We'll save. We'll have a whole conversation on award show, too. Okay. Appreciate that. Again, you can find Hayden's top 50 Dynasty rookie rankings down in the description below. Live by it and prosper. Okay. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Just uh, 
we have no shows the rest of this week. Hayden's getting married this weekend. I'm flying out to California. Um, so go and watch the clips and I'll be back here by myself next week. Hayden's going to have a little more time, fun time after his wedding. And I'll be running some solo stuff, but we got you covered again, back here on Monday night for a draft. We might need to get some clips of, of the dance moves and put it on the YouTube channel, <laughs> depending on how Saturday goes. That's going to be the next My, clip. Mine or yours? Uh, mine for sure. I'm hoping yours. We'll see. Oh, I'll be there. Okay, good. I'll be there. Okay. Appreciate you all turning in. Good luck with your rookie drafts. If you enjoyed this, again, subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell and like it. Thumbs up as well. All right. For Hayden, I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.